creation of a new information operations technical training school. So in our business of national security, where our job is to fly, fight, and win, we better be masters at this game of innovation. Air Force Basic Military Training has an updated curriculum with a new focus on readiness and lethality. This is the Developing Mach 21 Airmen Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome in to episode 6 of the Developing Mach 21 Airmen Podcast Series. Thanks for the subscribe, stream, or download, however you might be listening in today. If you get a chance to throw us some stars or even a review our way, we certainly would appreciate that kind of feedback as well. My name is Dan Hawkins from the Air Education and Training Command Public Affairs Office and your host for this professional development podcast dedicated to bringing total force Big A Airmen insight, tips, tricks, and lessons learned from the recruiting, training, and education field. Hard to believe, but we are already on episode number six of the podcast, and it's a fun one today. We've got a team of experts here from the Squadron Officer School at Air University, and they're talking all about how they are flipping the classroom, adopting immersive training, including scenario-based learning, virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality, and mobile learning into their learning experience space, helping to better professionally develop our captains. Miss Tony Scribner, a doctoral candidate who spent a ton of time helping develop this new squadron officer school curriculum, as well as captains Anita Sims and Casey Neville, dropped by talking about the successes and challenges of adopting some of this immersive technology into the classroom, as well as the thought process that goes into this adoption and integration of these new learning approaches. Ms. Scribner, she talks specifically about the need to think about these changes in terms of the culture, as well as scalability in the design, as well as the flipping the classroom trend that's happening in education right now. It was really interesting to listen to both Captain Sims and Captain Neville, who are both SOS instructors who have a lot of time in front of those classes, discuss the excitement level of the students as they participated in or observed the new mixed reality avatar-hosted counseling scenario exercises, a research-based capability that SOS is pioneering in that it allows learners to develop their craft in a safe academic environment in terms of counseling something that I was able to see in person at last fall's Air Force Association conference in National Harbor, and it was a really neat thing to see. So they're going to talk a little bit about that. They'll also talk about why being an SOS instructor can really help a young company-grade officer grow professionally in ways that they just never imagined. Great conversation today. You definitely don't want to miss it. So no more suspense. Let's get to it. Episode 6 of developing Mach 21 Airmen right now. So, Tony, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Thank you, Dan, and, and thank you for the invitation today. We're really excited to, to share the things we're doing at SOS. But um, I am an educator by trade. Uh, I'm also a um, uh, retired veteran in, from the Air Force, and I've uh, been fortunate enough to be at Air University since 1999 and uh, lucky enough to be in the education training space for the majority of my time uh, active duty and uh, as a civilian employee. 
So what did you actually do while you were on active duty? I was in medical, so uh, medical training and education for the majority of that time. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Captain Neville, you, we talked a little bit of off the podcast, but you said, you know, you're getting an education while you're giving others an education. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've been in the Air Force for eight years now. I'm a weather officer by trade, uh, so a meteorologist. And um, since uh, May of 17, I have been at Squadron Officer School and have taught six classes. And now I work with the, uh, the leadership aspect of the curriculum uh, within Squadron Officer School. Awesome. And uh, Captain Sims, so interesting background, contracting to SOS instructor. Yeah, so um, I've been in the service a little under eight years. I'm a contracting officer, but I started this journey by uh, going to SOS myself. So directly after leaving, a uh, hot job came through, and I applied the next day and called up and said, hey, I want to come back. And six months later, I was an instructor. Wow, that's that's interesting. You must have really liked SOS. I did. I, I saw the value and I wanted to share that value with someone else. So, came back. Well, then we'll start with you. So, tell us a little bit about SOS as it stands today. There's been a lot of changes uh, over the last few years, especially with course length, but I, I know and we're going to get into it more uh, a lot with the curriculum, but tell us where SOS is at today. Um, so, I will say I, I started with the five-week course. Um, it's currently six and a half weeks. And just seeing the difference between being a student and instructor, we are definitely making some very good strides. Um, right now we have our MRLX, which is our mixed learning reality experience, as well as our virtual reality experiences. And um, from what I can tell, the students are, are getting a lot out of it because they're finding ways to actually tie in what we're teaching and apply it and be able to have bigger discussions thereafter. So. And for, for those who may not know, what is really the point of uh, our captains going to SOS? What are, what are we hoping they take away when they leave Maxwell at the end of that experience? It's a leadership school. So we want them to get different leadership perspectives from the curriculum that we give them and from the peers that, they're, they're, that are there with them as well. Uh, different leadership competencies, uh, those types of things, but also bring in a bunch of different things from ethics to team building to uh, we're looking at um, they get some joint warfare uh, type stuff too uh, as well, but uh, the reasoning and the deep type of thinking that they need to make very hard decisions as leaders, but also know how to take care of people from like an emotional intelligence type standpoint, because that's kind of a big thing now uh, that we see in a lot of our, our stuff that we're teaching is emotional intelligence and how that ties to to leadership and being able to make decisions in very difficult or gray area type situations right and like with it being a leadership course so he kind of spoke to it but we have four pillars so there's reasoning there's the leadership um, there's joint warfare and there's team building which is my chair and like he was saying you know once we tie all those things together it's about the whole person you know because at the end of the day um i will say squadron officer school is probably that moment in their lives where they're figuring out what type of leader do I want to be or is this the point where I may no longer want this as my lifestyle, you know? And so we can see that through our journals which pop up in our curriculum um, as a part of reflection, reflecting on self. And so you kind of see that from them and then you kind of know, hey, this is what my students need from me to kind of be that better leader. 
I always find it interesting, especially with SOS, and I'm sure there's other classes that are like this, but a lot of that facilitation and instruction are done by their peers, fellow captains uh, in the Air Force who've been in about the same time and had roughly the same experiences um, in different ways. But so that has to be interesting um, for you guys as instructors. It's a, it's a little bit scary at first because you don't know what you're going to get. However, I think it's valuable from both sides of the table. For us as instructors, we learn a lot from the students and we learn from the curriculum to give to the students and they learn from each other and learn from that curriculum at the same time. So it's a pretty interesting uh, conversation that we have back and forth. Uh, we also, there is a fellowship program, if I can talk about sure. that. So uh, about 80% of our faculty is our majors. So they come to SOS and they teach and then they go to ACSC for a year afterwards or it could be flipped around depending on what type of fellowship program it is. Uh, so the students get uh, instructors that have a breadth of experience within the Air Force, which we can pull out our experiences in the classroom to the students, which then pull out their ex experiences back uh, to their peers. So we'll transition a little bit and we'll talk to Tony a little bit about immersive learning and a little bit about how it's being adopted and integrated into the classroom, uh, specifically um, at Squadron Officer School. Sure. Um. We are really excited about immersive learning. It truly gives us the opportunity uh, to take the curriculum beyond four walls. And it also helps us get to the level of taking the uh, objectives and the program outcomes to an application level. It is great when they get the theory, the methodologies, the great examples and experiences from the faculty members and their peers, but for them to get to the application level and apply it in our safe learning environment is a true gem of an opportunity for the program. So going down this path of immersive learning, we feel that um, if we can take the program to uh, and interactive, engaging, and meaningful levels, then learning occurs. And the research shows that, too. So as designers, as curriculum managers, as Air Force members, how do we do that in an effective way and truly focus on the student learning experience for their six and a half weeks with us? So immersive learning has been that target for us and we've been very fortunate to um, be able to embrace several learning technologies in order to support our direction. So some of those learning technologies um, are a little bit different and we talked a little bit about this too but a lot of people sometimes don't understand all the differences with the different technologies that are being utilized and and it's interesting for squadron officer school because you guys really are using like a very wide breadth of technology to bring that learning experience into focus so maybe you guys could talk a little bit about what those particular uh, technology tracks are and i guess we could start with virtual reality sure sure and actually uh both of um, 
are the virtual reality and the mixed reality are in uh, Captain Neville's uh, academic chair path. So um, uh, with the virtual reality, we and uh, we use um, uh, a situated learning experience through scenario-based learning, prescribed scenarios that the students go through individually. Then the design for that is once the students go through the experience, then they uh, go through a debrief which is facilitated by the faculty member. And they tie in the program outcomes, the learning objectives, and, and anything that they feel that it would be relevant with where they're at in the program or where they're going in the program. Uh, we embrace a lot of autonomy for our faculty to utilize the virtual reality learning experiences to support where their flight is at and where they want to go with their flight. Casey, did you want? Well, when the students go through the, the virtual reality experience, everyone basically has a different experience with the scenario, which is what brings about the different types of talking points that can be brought up during the debrief. So you get all the different types of learning from different aspects and different angles, whether it's how you, you talk to your NCO or your senior airman, how you actually had that conversation, how you made your decisions, was there any sort of ethical ties that you're pulling on, was there any gray situations you were thinking about, uh, that type of stuff. And it's really neat to see that come out of the debrief through the different uh, just experiences that they go through with that one scenario that we have that we put them through. And it's interesting as we talk about the mixed reality learning experiences and you take a scenario, but you actually add in the really interesting use of avatar hosted simulations. Mm -hmm. And that is, I think, it's a game changer, right? It is, it definitely is. Uh, we actually <laughs> did a, a trip uh, to University of Alabama, and I think that was the first time I got to see like somebody other than a student respond to it. And it's almost like you're there, you're in the chair, and you're thinking they don't know things about you, but when one of the uh, the avatars said, hey, I like those glasses you have on, you're like, whoa, like how do you know I have on glasses, you know? You don't expect that. And I think the same type of thing happens for the students. Um, when they change the picture of their voice or they adjust their body and their body language changes and having someone there that can visibly see that, it's like, oh, well, you know, let me put on my best professional self and handle this a little differently at some times. Because it, it matters, right? Right. How you handle yourself when you're actually talking to somebody. And they, the, the research has shown that it's, you get better learning experience by actually interacting with the avatar than actually human to human because there's certain barriers looking at you and me versus looking at a TV with an avatar on there and, and talking to that person and going through the, the scenario. Um, and we only put a couple students through each time for each uh, class that goes through. The rest of them sit in the back and watch their peer go through it. And the neat thing is the learning still occurs with the people watching the situation unfold in front of them. Because they find, they sit back and like, wow, that's, that was kind of an uncomfortable conversation that they just had. I, I don't know how I would have handled that. But then that comes out of the debrief when you bring the students back and talk to them like, how'd you handle the situation? What'd you think? How'd you do? And then you ask somebody else, well, how did, what, do you, what would you have done differently? And that, that all comes out uh, into the debrief. And the students, a lot of times the feedback on that for the mixed reality portion is they all want to go through it. Right. We can't, we don't have the time to, to do that, but 
they really like that experience. It's a conflict resolution piece that they usually don't ever get uh, in the scenarios that we, we give to them. Well, it's always interesting because, you know, in the past, um, before you would have that capability, it's, you know, to have that kind of situation, you have almost two students usually sitting across from each other. And, you know, it's hard to get that really mm -hmm. real feeling and emotion. Yeah. But like you mentioned, having somebody say, oh, those are nice glasses. And you're like, whoa, <laughs> I don't know this person who just said that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it has to be pretty neat. So what was the brainchild behind that? Like, how long has this been a part of the curriculum, and, and how did that kind of um, come to development? Sure. Um, for, um, let me go back to the virtual reality. And um, SOS has um, integrated, uh, we had an initial prototype about two, three years ago and then we integrated it operationally about six months after some focus group testing. And then with the mixed reality, uh, we went through several focus groups uh, with our community of learners and, um, and then we grew from there. So we started using that probably about a year and a half ago and then we ran a beta test and it has been I think overwhelming how well the students have received it. Because as you shared, the um, traditional role play when you're in a physical form, uh, the research does show that there's limitations, there's barriers. We have physical barriers that we can't get past. And we know that role play is a, you know, exceptional educational tool. And so how do we get past the physical barriers? So one way to do that is to take it into the virtual space. And the research shows uh, from University of Central Florida and others that have joined in on that research that um, they were very successful. And the research is based on empathy. And uh, it's been over a decade or so that they've been doing this work and we are thankful we're able to take advantage of it and go down this path because um, before we had to remove role play because it just became ineffective. So bringing it back, I guess that's part of our story is that we have the comeback kid with role play <laughs> as an educational tool. And uh, it, it is just every every time we, we uh, integrate and implement a session, I think we all learn something new too. Approaches, how people are receiving it, uh, almost an internal networking opportunity because when um, supervisors, anybody that has to do any type of counseling or mentoring, you sort of do that one-on-one. -on -one. And so you're only you only can model your behavior after the behaviors that you were experienced with. And so um, now they get the opportunity with 14 people and a facilitator in a safe environment to try things out, to get different perspectives and kind of network the, the ways ahead. And uh, again with this, the, um, the money is in the the debrief. 
the debrief is where the facilitator can tie everything in and uh, we uh, can really enhance components that are you know strengths and weaknesses within the curriculum as part of this treatment so it's not just virtual and mixed reality but there's also an augmented reality component um, to the course as well yes that's in prototype so maybe we'll have to come back again dan and visit with you <laughs> anytime um, because uh, we are working on that and actually um, both the captains here they have components in in that space and that will move forward in the form of utilizing the flipped classroom methodology and so we're really looking forward to that uh, it will it will be a um, mobile application and support uh, the the learners use of when they're adopting new um, perspectives and knowledge and uh, when they come into the flight room then the um, the conversation will be at a another level as opposed to just introducing new knowledge so kind of that flipped classroom that we talked about a little bit absolutely so it it's just so interesting all the changes that are going on. I mean, and you know, part of General Qua's strategic plan obviously is is the use of technology uh, in an immersive way that obviously inspires and develops our Mach 21 Airmen. But um, when you talk about immersive learning, um, there are likely some successes and also some challenges. So let's start with the challenges of bringing a lot of this technology into the classroom what what are some of those challenges i think initially um, it was the adoption across the culture utilizing technology the way that you know sos has you know ad adopted and and basically adapted uh, with immersive learning um, Traditionally, we want to teach and we want to be taught the way that we have already been, you know, taught and how we learn. So that's generally the Socratic method in some form or fashion or, or, or just reading books. Well, now we have the digital environment and, and learners really want to get to the application level. So kind of breaking through the risk adverse culture of utilizing technology in a daily capacity as opposed to um, it just accessing a web page or a video so it is um, it is like a um, that culture change that that we would want to um, keep evolving and to be open-minded about the adoption of the technology I think another thing for us was, and this is probably more from a technical perspective, is, um, and Casey mentioned some of this, was that as we introduced the, um, the mixed reality learning experience, two people, by our design, two people within our flights go through the simulation and then all the other students are observing. Now in debrief, they're all engaged and, and then they all share their perspectives. But the challenge is scale. 
we have approximately 4,200 students that go through our program a year and approximately 70 faculty. So, so how do we scale that to support uh, each individual learner, even though in some capacity they're, they're all in learning mode when the simulations are running, but how do we scale that? So for programs like ours, there will be some challenges to overcome with that. Well, and I, I, I just think that's kind of a, a thing that's across the board, whether you're talking about the education and, and training arena or probably even out in the operational Air Force right now is, is, you know, that scaling and how do we implement this across, you know, big Air Force. So definitely some challenges there. And, you know, culture, I think, is always one of those things that, you know, um, we have to to defeat sometimes um, to, to get better. <laughs> well, you know, and it's something our leaders have readily acknowledged, mm -hmm. and we all know that that is a, a situation um, where we have to yes. get better. And so, yes. you know, I think we're all striving to do that every day and, and see how we can be better. But we talked about some of the challenges, um, but what are some of the SOS successes that you guys uh, have seen um, on these fronts? So as Tony was talking, I was thinking, you know, some of the challenges that she mentioned are actually some of our successes. Because of those um, things, we're, we're having to take into account the different way people learn um, and the different ways that they can learn has actually, I, I think, contributed to our success. Because we teach them, you know, when you're um, talking to an audience, you need to, you know, analyze who's in the audience, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you also have to understand how people learn differently. Some people want to write on the board. Some people just need to read it. Some people just need to see it. But we're giving them all of that and more with this. So I, I think that's a success. That, and that's kind of in line with what General Quas talks about with failing forward and learning as much from perhaps some of your challenges or, mm -hmm. or you know, not so successful runs. Let's see, that was the PC for Tony. <laughs> <laughs> but you learn a lot from, from those kinds of things. Yep. And, and like you said, I have a great perspective on Absolutely. being successful. We've taken a step forward in trying to implement these new technologies and new new ways of teaching uh, for the learner in a faster way than maybe how it was done before, which means, yeah, sometimes we may fail a little bit, but that's where the feedback comes in, you know, okay. from the students. It comes back from the actual faculty and we can, we make it better. We, we can make it work. And if it doesn't, we'll move on to something else. So, and that's kind of the mentality of, of how things are going now to try to be innovative, right, in the Air Force. And, we try to we want to we want to build these people, build these leaders, build these students, and what's the best way we can go about that? Well, we have what we we know. We also need to put in this new stuff as things change, as new information comes across, as there's new studies that are done about how to make learning better and more effective. So, in line with that, we talked a little bit about what advice you would have for teams. Uh, across the recruit train education enterprise that are maybe trying to look at how they're doing business in the the educational space and and implementing technology and, and all these changes to your curriculum and while at the same time balancing I still got to get this course through mm -hmm. while I'm thinking about the course next year so you know can you talk a little bit about that and and, and how you manage all of that mm -hmm. so I would say um, just 
once a team begins to start their process or, or their path to innovation, of course everybody's going to take the time to learn about it. They're going to educate themselves so they'll know, hey, these are milestones that we're actually achieving. But I think um, sometimes it may be difficult to put those things that you've learned into practice. Because while you're learning, you're going to learn that there are different types of failures that are going to take place and what type of successes are going to take place. And so being willing to acknowledge that while you're actually implementing those innovate, innovative steps, I guess, um, is a necessity. Like you have to be willing to say, okay, I knew this was going to happen. How do I mitigate this? How do I smooth this out? Um, and I think that helps you continue on with innovation even after you get to that point where you fail for the first time. Wow, that's really great. <laughs> that's hard to follow up. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Um, I would just say that um, we're, all, we're all given opportunities. And we can let the opportunity pass us up, or we can pass the opportunity, right? Or we can embrace it. And so I think for SOS at this time, that the, the stars have aligned and provided us the opportunity to introduce this to our program and to 4,200 captains a year in, in, in many different facets. But, but one thing I, I, I do want folks to realize is that this doesn't just come from the SOS faculty, the SOS leadership, the AU leadership. This comes from the learners. We take feedback very seriously. And if students have, you know, a little bit of time to share with us their, or their experience and they have ideas and they want to take something to the next level, we take that very seriously. And we see how we can incorporate that appropriately for the next run. Uh, that is very important that, 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 we, that we focus on the learner and their whole SOS experience. So, almost last question. Trends in education, we talked a little bit, but we didn't really go too deep into it, but you talked about the flipped classroom methodology, and that's not just a trend in like Department of Defense level education, but that's just a trend in education. So what does that really mean for people who may not be as familiar with education? What does flipping the classroom mean? Sure. Um, oh, I, that sounded like a curveball almost. No, 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 not at all. I was waiting for my teammates to see if they wanted to jump in. So, um, so the flip classroom offers an opportunity to take knowledge level materials, uh, even new knowledge, and just put it in front of your actual face-to-face time or your classroom time. And so what we're doing is um, we're taking uh, several treatments of what we're doing in the course and we're making it very interactive and immersive and that will happen before they show up for class time that day. So we've all done homework. This is just interactive homework and the introduction of new knowledge because we really want that face-to-face -face time to be very rich. And um, we want to get to some deeper perspectives that maybe we didn't have time to get to. Because I do know probably the most of, of our faculty 
as soon as they get in the classroom, they introduce new knowledge, and they're able to get to deep conversations, sometimes time is up. And they, they really don't get there. So by flipping the classroom and using that methodology, we're able to take the knowledge level information and put them on a journey. And then from that journey, when they come back to the classroom face to face, we can get to a, a deeper perspective and even an analytical perspective in the discussions that we have with the learners. What's exciting about that is we know that if we can get to the deeper understanding actually happen in the classroom, whether it's through case studies um, along those lines or videos, we know that the students talk more about that information outside of the classroom. So it's getting further than how we used to because if you just introduce the material at the beginning of the class and then you're just getting into the deeper conversation and then they talk about it outside of class, well, you still may have hit some of the learning that you're looking for, but if you get to the deeper stuff in the classroom, you're really going to hit the learning when they get outside because they, they do talk about it. They talk to each other about it because they're interested. They're, they're, they're critically thinking about it. They're curious, and that's, that's how you create the learning. Absolutely. Yeah, because we do know and research shows that learning just doesn't occur in formal environments. Probably most deep learning and insights come from informal learning. And that's not face-to-face, -face, not in four walls. And I, I think that's a great point. So last question, and I'll turn it over to our two instructors. So if you had to give a recruiting pitch to a captain who may be like, I don't know about going to SOS and being an instructor, what's it like? It's a more pleasant experience than I thought it would be. I, guess. I mean, to be completely honest, you know, I've never taught before. I think I would have liked to do it at some point. Um, but in the military, in front of captains, in front of pilots and lawyers and nurses, and there's so many different backgrounds, what are they going to think, oh, you know, a captain's teaching them? Um, but I, I can. I can teach them leadership. It's, our curriculum is built in such a way that we learn a lot, and we can bring that out in them. But they bring a lot out in me as well, which I think enables me to be a, a very good instructor. And in the end, I think that'll make me a good leader down the road in the Air Force. I, in that sense, it's a very valuable assignment, at least in, in my eyes. Um, so I, I guess I'm kind of like the geek on that because I told you I went to SOS and then I applied to work at SOS. Um, but I mean, basically everything Casey said and just the fact that we spend a lot of time leveraging each other's experiences. And it's not so much that we're there to um, show them how much we know, but it's to make sure that we're facilitating an environment or creating an environment that they're able to share with each other what they know. And I think the growth happens there. And then you're sitting there, you know, with whatever experience you have as an instructor, and you're just like, wow, that happens in the Air Force. And like, let me take a note so I can bring it up in my <laughs> yeah. next class, you know? So it's. It's the teacher becomes the student. Right. So it's, it's definitely a, a rewarding experience because when I can go back and look at my students and say, you know what, I've seen some type of growth. Because the same thing that we're teaching them about growth and developing teams and, you know, being able to reason, um, you see that pattern through evaluation. And then you can think, like, I have a little bit to do with that. And 
you know, it, you can only hope that they'll go back and try and do the same within their own organization. There's no other place where you're going to get that diversity of that type right. of experience than, than a job that, that like this, right? And it makes you as a better person, too, uh, overall. You, you analyze yourself because mm -hmm. you realize exactly. you, you have to do the same thing to the students. And the students have to do that for themselves at the same time. So you're almost a student even though you're an instructor at the same time. Each and every class is different. 14 different personalities. It's a lot of fun. It's never <laughs> the same thing over and over. Not to mention your connection power just goes through the roof, right? Because you know somebody <laughs> everywhere. You do. And, and I mean, like he said, with the, with the group of 14 every single time, it's like you can know the material. But you have to adjust because of who's in your classroom. And that helps you grow and adjust because now you're doing the same balancing act that they have to do every day with each other. Mm -hmm. so. Well, I really appreciate your guys' time. This was a lot of fun. And, and like Tony said, I guess we're going to have to re, you know, revisit at some point, right? <laughs> so, thank, Absolutely. so thank you all. Thank all right, you. thank you. Some very cool stuff happening at Air University at Squadron Officer School and not just there but all over the campus of AU there at Maxwell Air Force Base. I want to say thank you to Ms. Scribner, Captain Sims, and Captain Neville for dropping by our offices. They were here in town at JBSA Randolph for a learning consortium and they took time out of their schedule to come over and talk with us about all the exciting changes happening. As a reminder, you can follow Air Education and Training Command Via social media, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also check out our website, www.aetc.af.mil. Thanks for checking out the podcast as we dive into the world of recruiting, training, and education. For our entire AETC public affairs staff, I'm Dan Hawkins. So long. We'll talk to you next time on Developing Mach 21 Airmen.